Hi everybody, Pete Sardis here for The Lawyer You Know. We have an update in the Elizabeth Holmes trial. Specifically, we have a sentencing date. Uh, I wanna talk to you about what that sentencing date is. We're gonna talk about what I think the implications of that sentencing date are. And we'll talk generally about the process of what's gonna happen between now and when Elizabeth Holmes is sentenced. But before that, I've gotta do my shameless plug. If you like the video, please give me a thumbs up. If you like the series, please subscribe to our channel because we have other topics that we deal with on a regular basis that are, in my opinion, pretty darn interesting. Uh, and as always, if you have questions or comments, please leave them down below because this is the way I know what you're interested in and I can tailor these videos to what you want to hear. With that, let's talk about it. Judge Davila's office has scheduled Elizabeth Holmes' sentencing date for September 26th of 2022. Uh, and what does that mean? It means from now until September 26 of 2022, Elizabeth Holmes will be out on bond on the $500,000 that she's been out on pre-trial. Uh, I do want to take a minute and just clarify what bonds mean in federal court, because I think a lot of people understand what bail and bond is in state court, but federal court's a little different. In most state court uh, environments, the judge will issue a bail amount and the uh, defendant will post bond, whatever that bond is, $5,000, $10,000, and get out of jail. Uh, if they don't have the money to post the entire bond, they may go to a bondsman and the bondsman will put uh, the bond up in exchange for a percentage of the total bond. Normally it's 10%. So on a $10,000 bond, the bondsman would expect you to pay them $1,000 and then they would post the rest of the bond for you. In federal court, it's a little bit different. The vast majority of federal bonds are signature bonds. And what that means is you don't actually put uh, money at the courthouse. In other words, Elizabeth Holmes didn't go to the courthouse with $500,000 that here is my bond so I can be released. What happens is you sign a document at the clerk's office indicating that if you should abscond or if you should violate some of the terms of your bond, that money will be um, taken from you. And most of the time, it's a signature from either the defendant themselves or from a party that has the assets or is able to, to fulfill that bond, most likely either her family or the family of her, I'm not sure what he is, husband, boyfriend, whatever that guy is. So that's really how it went down. Nobody actually went to the courthouse and gave 500,000 bucks. So what do I think September 26 means? Um, I will tell you that I initially believe Judge Davila recognizes, obviously, that this was a long and complicated case. And the judge is giving the probation office the time that they're going to require to produce something called a pre-sentence report. Uh, we affectionately refer to that as a PSR. And he, I think the judge recognizes it's going to take some time to get documents. And we'll talk about what's all involved in a pre-sentence report here in a minute. I also think there are some other reasons why the judge would set the sentencing so far out. As you know, Elizabeth Holmes um, had her trial date continued because she got pregnant. And as we know, sometime I think in June or July of 2021, she had the baby. I believe, and this is just Pete Sardis' opinion, that the court recognizes from experience that Elizabeth Holmes will score a term of imprisonment, meaning she's going to go to the Bureau of Prisons, to a federal prison. And I think the judge recognizing that wants to give Elizabeth Holmes enough time to alleviate the obvious issues of sentencing a young uh, or just a new mother 
uh, to prison time, meaning is she breastfeeding? Is there that bonding time with the baby? That kind of stuff. And I think the judge believes that from June to September, that's roughly 15, 18 months, somewhere in there. That gives her more than enough time to, you know, to make sure that her baby is not affected by her prison sentence. Now, that's just Pete Sardis talking, so I, I don't know if that's what Judge Davila is thinking, but I would guess that that's kind of playing a role in his decision making. So, let's take a step back for a second and talk about what's going to happen from now until September 26, which is the actual sentencing day. The first thing that's going to happen is that Elizabeth Holmes will meet with federal probation. That meeting is designed for them, meaning federal probation, to get basic information, biographical information from the defendant. Now, a lot of this stuff they already know, but it's necessary uh, as part of the process. And what will happen is they will meet with her. They'll get basic background information. For example, her home life, uh, her family situation, her family status, her education. Uh, they will ask for, you know, what her childhood was like, things like that. In addition, there will be a series of documents that Elizabeth Holmes will have to sign so that probation can get records. For example, sign HIPAA waivers if there's any medical issues that are relevant in the sentencing. She may have to sign waivers for tax returns. She may, have, may sign documents so that probation can get social security statements. She may have to sign documents so that the probation officer can corroborate her education, meaning that she went to Stanford, we know she dropped out, things like that. So there's a number of forms that get filled out. Once the forms are filled out, obviously probation has to have an opportunity to send them out and give everyone that they sent forms to an opportunity to comply with those records requests. And again, that normally takes about 30 days, 45 days, give or take. Once the probation officer gets that documentation, they're obligated to produce a pre-sentence report uh, in order to have a sentencing guidelines calculation. Now, Let's talk for a second about what the sentencing guidelines is. A little bit of a history lesson. Prior to about 1986, federal judges had the ability to sentence a defendant based on their own devices, meaning they knew what the statutory maximum was of a particular case, and they would just listen to the evidence and say, all right, your sentence is X, Y, or Z. The problem with that process was that a judge in California could take a similarly situated defendant and sentence them far different than the uh, than a judge in, let's just say, New York. So there was a lot of disparity in the sentences that defendants were getting around the country for the same course of conduct. So what wound up happening was a United States Sentencing Commission was established. The Sentencing Commission comes up with something called the United States Sentencing Guidelines. And that guideline is literally a book and the book gave the courts guidance on what reasonable sentence should be for specific defendants with specific circumstances and offenses. And the purpose of that was to bring some sort of consistency to sentences from around the country. Now, from 86 to about the middle of the early 2000s, those sentencing guidelines were mandatory. In other words, the federal judges were obligated to sentence someone within that guidelines range. There, of course, were some opportunities to deviate from the guidelines, but they were very, very specific and very, very tailored. And if the judge sentenced somebody outside of the guidelines range, it was presumptively an inappropriate sentence. So they would wind up garnering a lot of appeals either from the government or from the defense. So judges pretty much stuck to the guideline as it was mandatory to them. 
So what happens in the, like I said, the early 2000s, uh, the Supreme Court actually made a determination that it was unconstitutional for the sentencing guidelines to supersede a judge's ability to utilize their judicial discretion. So there was a kind of a compromise made. So before the guidelines, totally up to the judge, during the guidelines, mandatory. And what they did was they made the sentencing guidelines advisory. And specifically, any sentence that a judge gives within the advisory guidelines range is presumed to be a lawful and reasonable sentence. But the judge can uh, deviate from that guidelines either less, depart downward, or more, depart upward, as long as the court puts on the record the facts and reasoning behind that sentence. And again, as long as the interests of justice are fulfilled, then the appellate courts normally don't bother those sentences. Now, if the judge says the guideline ranges between three years and four years, but I think I don't like the shirt that you're wearing, so I'm going to give you nine years, of course, the appellate court could say that is not a sentence or a reason that promotes the interest of justice, and they would reverse the sentence, send it back to the trial court for a resentencing. So before we go on, let me show you what the federal sentencing guideline book looks like, and this is what it is. Uh, and it's broken down very simply in sections, and I'll talk about those sections with you in a second. I'm also going to, uh, to tag the cheat sheet for the sentencing ranges I'll show that to you um, in, this, uh, in this episode so you can have it below so you can kind of get an idea about how the sentencing ranges, the different levels, add up to different years. Let's talk about how probation is going to come to a advisory sentencing range, all right? First thing they do is the probation officer, once they've gathered all their information, they will go and they will determine the base offense level. And what that means is every federal crime is listed in the federal sentencing guideline book. And every one of those crimes will have a calculation that gives you a base level of points. Meaning this statute uh, is three points, that statute maybe six points, and it depends about what the specific crime allows for. In financial crimes, there is also a multiplier for the loss amount, meaning how much money people lost, and that is added to that base offense level, but it will give you the base level that in order for this person to be sentenced, the sentencing guideline says the base offense level, the lowest the sentence can be is level six, level nine, whatever that case is. Then, once the probation officer has the base offense level, the second thing they're obligated to do is determine the grouping of charges. In other words, the sentencing guideline says some counts uh, are to be run concurrent to each other, meaning because they're in the same course of conduct, even though they may be separate counts, the sentences for those counts run together. For an example, if I uh, was convicted and there are four counts, and each of those four counts is 20 years, the guidelines will tell you whether those should be 20 years, plus 20 years, plus 20 years, you get my point. Or if they should just be 20, 20, 20, 20, but all served at the same time. Now, in the Elizabeth Holmes trial, these are normally going to be grouped charges. They're gonna run the sentences concurrently, meaning that whatever the sentences are for each of the four uh, offenses she's been convicted of 
will all run together. She won't serve separate sentences one after the other. That's called consecutive. So the probation officer makes a determination about consecutive versus concurrent. And yes, in some criminal cases, some charges are grouped together and they're consecutive. Some charges are concurrent. So that has to be determined. Once the probation officer has determined consecutive and concurrent sentencing, meaning the grouping of those charges, the next thing that happens is the probation officer is going to have to make a determination about any adjustments that need to be made to that base offense level. I'll give you an example. There are a number of sections in the sentencing guidelines that say, let's presume somebody accepted responsibility, did not force the government to go to trial, and saved judicial resources. There is a provision in there that reduces that sentence by a number of points, two or three points. There are also uh, other provisions that add points to a specific sentence. They're called mitigating, obviously, lower, and aggravating higher factors. Uh, some of the aggravating factors are things like, do you possess a special skill that you used to commit the crime? Were you uh, targeting vulnerable victims? Were you in a position of authority when you committed the crimes? Did you obstruct justice in order to commit a crime? Did you abuse a position of trust in order to commit the crimes? And these are the kinds of things that we see, and there will be adjustments based on any of those that apply. And again, a couple points down, a couple points up. Ultimately, what will happen is when you add the base offense level, the grouping, the adjustments together, the next thing that happens is the probation officer has to determine the criminal history. Now, criminal history is important, especially in what I call uh, street crimes. So think of drug offenses, think of gangs, uh, think of terrorism, things like that. If the person convicted uh, has prior criminal offenses, there is a formula that is set up to say, if you have this type of offense, you add this many points. If you have multiple offenses, you add this many points. And it obviously will make a huge difference in where you fall in the amount of years that you might spend in prison. The amount of points that is added to the sentence because of criminal history actually doesn't change your level, meaning it doesn't change the offense level. What it does is it changes the criminal history category, which basically says that, let's just say you are a level, uh, offense level 15, as you can see, and if you go look and you'll figure it out, what'll happen is, depending on your criminal history points, a level 15 could be 18 months in prison, or it could be 41 or 51 months in prison. So the criminal history score will add years to your sentence. So let's back it up. The probation officer gets all their documents, they uh, get the base offense level, they determine the grouping, they make adjustments, they figure out the criminal history, and to be clear, it is my understanding that Elizabeth Holmes has no criminal history that can be scored against her, so I don't think we're gonna see any of those issues pop up. Once that happens, the probation officer has their advisory sentencing guideline, and what he or she will do is send that advisory guideline to the prosecution and to the defense for their review. Now. We will not see the advisory sentencing guideline. That is a confidential document. Uh, the, but probation has to send it to the parties because they have the right to provide input to probation. So what will happen is the prosecutor will look at the calculations and say, 
yes, probation officer, we agree, or we don't agree, you forgot this, this, and this, or we don't agree, this does not apply, this does apply. The defense obviously will do the exact same thing. They will review probation's report and they will have the opportunity to provide any objections or any commentary to the sentencing guideline calculation that probation came up with to say, this doesn't really apply because of this, this shouldn't apply, you forgot to add this stuff in, you forgot these mitigating circumstances, things like that. Now, in a case like this, I presume that's going to go back and forth to probation a couple of times before probation finalizes the pre-sentence report and conveys it to the court in time for sentencing. Normally, I would suggest to you a few weeks before is when the judge actually will get this document. There is a difference, though, between the document the prosecution and the defense get and the document the court receives. The federal probation officer has an opportunity to provide uh, input on the sentencing guideline range. The purpose of which is to let the judge know if the probation officer feels, for example, Your Honor, I ran the sentencing guideline because of the loss amount, the, uh, the sentencing guidelines range is artificially inflated. I believe that a, a downward departure is warranted or a variance, meaning a, a, a modification from where the guideline score should be implemented. The probation officer can also do something else. Judge, this defendant gave me false information. This defendant made the sentencing guidelines process difficult because they, I don't know, they tried to circumvent the system somehow. Little notes like that that go from the probation officer to the judge so the court has a little bit of a a feel for what the probation officer believes happened uh, in the process and what they think about the sentencing guideline. Again, totally confidential. Based on that sentencing guideline, though, that the probation officer files, that will trigger both the government and the defense to file sentencing memorandum. Now, are they obligated to do this? No, but I promise you there will be memorandum, meaning filings done in court, in the court file, and we will see these from both sides talking about why the court should deviate from the sentencing guideline or why uh, items that are within the sentencing guideline that were not included uh, by the probation officer should have been included. A lot of that stuff will happen and we will see at least the memorandums of law for sentencing probably as we get closer to September. Now, is September hard and fast and guaranteed? No, it is not. Are there, is there an opportunity, is there a possibility that that date might change and be continued? Absolutely there is, but we shall see how that goes as the case progresses. At this point, I don't anticipate we're going to see a lot of sentencing stuff on the record until we get closer to that sentencing date. I still expect to see uh, motions for a new trial, uh, motions for judgment of acquittal, things like that to come uh, in front of the judge, especially since if you looked at our previous episodes, a couple of jurors went on you know, national television and talk about how they came to their conclusions. I anticipate this stuff's going to happen. We'll keep you posted when we see those motions and let you know what's happening and keep you up to speed. But at this point, that's kind of what's going to happen for sentencing purposes between now and September. Tell me what you think. Leave me some questions and comments. What do you think the sentencing guidelines score is going to look like? Do you think that there's going to be obstruction of justice points added to that, uh, to that calculation? Do you think that the probation officer is just going to hammer with potentially every guideline score uh, or additional set of points it can throw her way? 
where do you think we're going to be? So as always, if you like the video, give me a thumbs up. If you've liked this series, please subscribe to our channel. Always leave me questions and comments below, especially is there a legal topic that you specifically are interested in? If there is, please let me know below because if enough of you are interested in a particular topic, we'll do a series of videos on them. Also, for those of you that may not know, we are also starting to follow the Sonny Balwani trial, which was continued recently. So if you have any interest in Sonny Balwani to see how you know Elizabeth Holmes' trial may compare or contrast to what's going on in his case, look that up. We'll put the link to that below. And again, we'll keep you posted and we'll see you soon. Thanks for watching this episode of The Lawyer You Know. If you like this content, please share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe to our page and like our videos. If you want some interaction, get in the comments and we'll be sure to get back to you. If you want to know any more information about our firm or this page, you can find out in the description or visit tragoslaw.com. We post multiple times throughout the week, so make sure you hit that bell so you can get the notification and not miss out on the next episode.